Good evening. And uh, we'll start off with Tehillim. And particularly, I would like to um, have in mind Sarah Hinda Bas Chana Chaimushka before Shlema Ptech Archeli Israel. So we'll say Kapitel Chof and then we'll do Kakufnun and then Tzedaka and we'll start this year. And I'll say Mr. David, Yahan for the Nebu and Soros, I gave for Shema the Hiyake. ישלחזרה <laughs> So we'll start this year now. The first question which we want to deal with today is about saying animamin um, at the end of davening, where other you know, other sidurim we see animamin at the end of davening, and the question people ask is why is it not in Chabad Siddur? So let's go to the first slide. That's first of all, Daka, thank you for all those who participated in the uh, appeal for the, uh, the charity, which Baruch Hashem was uh, an amazing experience to see how pe people were so generous. And um, as Hashem, we should put it to good use. Okay, so here, this is what we have here, is a letter of the Rebbe. Someone asked the Rebbe about why is it Chabad don't say any Imam at the end of davening? And um, why is it not in the Siddur? So the Rebbe says, well, simply, we don't say it because it's not in the Siddur. But the question is, why is it not in the Siddur? So here we have, uh, it's not the full letter, but just a couple of points. Before reading the letter, what are these Yud Gimel Ikrim? Where do they come from? So the Rambam in Mishnayas, in Sanhedrin, he identifies 13 principal points of faith. Uh, and so then, so the Rambam did not write the text which is in the Sidurim, he wrote, in his own text, and then someone kind of uh, edited and put it together in the text, which is in the popular Sidurim. Uh, the Arambam wrote, obviously, he wrote his uh, Pirush on the Mishnah, he wrote it in Arabic. So in any case, the translation would be open for interpretation. Now, when we say 13 principles of faith, this, the Revelator in this letter actually says that not all Jewish philosophers are of the agree with the Rambam of making uh, identifying 13 principles of faith. There may be, um, perhaps you could say everything is, is a principle of faith, or there are different ways of looking at it. Um, so you've got particularly the Ikrim, who disagrees with the Rambam on this principle of saying that there's 13 principles of faith. But be that as it may, it's become popular in Claudia Yisrael, many Sidurim, they have it. So now the question is why is it not brought in the Siddur, in the Chabad Siddur? So, Hatam Shiloihe Vize Rabbeinu Besidurai. So, the Rebbe first of all admits, Loikibalti Bodeh Bazer Dover Mepairish. I don't have a, an explicit tradition from the previous Rebbe, etc. Therefore, Ve'ef Shiloima Rag Bader Hash Oro. Therefore, he says, I'm going to guess, kind of, Kamo Taimim Al Iho Amiro Bitfilo. I'm going to give a couple of reasons which are suggesting why we don't say you'd give me this, or I'm um, sorry, you'd give me Ikri Amuna in Davening. Hatfila Aleph, Hatfila Inyona. What is the purpose of Tfila? As explained in Gemara, Gemvua Bashas, Sidu Shvochov Shilmokoim. It's a moment of praise. Ubakoshas Tzrochov. It's praising Hashem. Ubakoshov Tzrochov Shalodom. And it's a moment of uh, asking supplication. These are the two 
points of each pillar. Praise and pleading. An imamin is a declaration of, should we say, of policy, of what the policy of, of Yiddishkeit is, true. It's not a declaration of praise. It's not an expression of praise, rather. And it's not a tefillah. Therefore, it's not, it's not, it doesn't really fit in what tefillah is all about. Now, you may, be, uh, may ask the question, what about Adon Olam? Adon Olam is, in a sense, also summing up the Yesodus of Yiddishkeit. And Adon Olam, who was the king, it is kind of a declaration of faith. The difference is, though, that Adon Olam is an expression in a form of praise. It's saying the principles of faith but in a form of praise. Therefore, it does belong in a seder after, in a seder of davening. I see someone's asking, what about the sheish schiris? The sheish schiris attack are not part of davening. They're not a part of davening. They are there in the seder. So you're asking now, what's the difference? Okay, let's, we'll have to think about that. At kadekach, there's the question, when do you say sheish schiris on Shabbos? Do you say it? Uh, before, before, before Tillim or after Tillim. Now, now I'm sensitive to this kind of stuff. Halavai, I would have had the sense when we, can, we could have observed the Rebbe when he finished Oleinu. Did he close his Siddha and take the Tillim or did he leave the Siddha open? If you close the Siddha, then presumably he said uh, before Tillim. If he left the sitter open, they left it open. So the question is, and So this, that's since is open for debate and Okay, let's come back. So the first point is that declaration of Yudgimo Midas doesn't fall into the rubric of tefillah. Point base. Any addition to tefillah, which is in addition to what, what that which was established by the Anshiknesis Agdoila, which is in the beginning of the second base of English, and or quoted in Rishonim, if you want to introduce another tefillah, you need to bring basis for this. If you remember when the Rebbe pushed of course, everyone should say Hareini Mekabel and before davening and to say Ach Tzadikim after davening. So he he points out that this is not a new Chiddush. It's in, in the Sikha there, there's like dozens of sources of saying Hareini Mekabel before. And so although it's not in regular Nusach Ashkenaz, it's more from the Arizal, but uh, the Rebbe encouraged it. So it's got a Yesod in the Arizal. But to come, some, someone should come on their own volition to come and introduce a new aspect of davening is a Chiddush. In other words, one who introduces a Seder of a certain Tefillah, which will be for communal use, all of Lahovi Raya Barurov Yesoidlosas. You'd have to have to bring the one who wants to introduce it needs to have uh, strong evidence to, to introduce it. The, the onus of, of, of uh, proof, etc., is not on the one who doesn't take on the new thing, it's on the one who wants to introduce the new thing. It's known how particular. We are, we are traditionally of the words and the letters of davening, the kamer to the degree that they've established even remozim. As you may know, the um, the savior called the rekeach. Rekeach was one of the mid to late uh, rishonim in, in in Ashkenaz, and he 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 has uh, numbers for how many words there are each brach of etc. 
and they, they were they were they were very careful of how many words there should be. So they, they, what is what the Rebbe is saying? We're very careful what we establish as part of tefillah. It may not be so well known that when originally the union of saying tilim was introduced in Chabad on a daily basis after davening, and this I believe is around Tofresh Pezayin, it may have been a little bit earlier, it was around the time which we're now be celebrating the Vistalmos, it was around that time that it was introduced to say Tilim by the Friedrich Rebbe pushed it, it should, it should be in every shul, doesn't matter whether they're in Ashkenaz or, or Ari, whatever it may be, it should say Tilim after Daphne. Originally, the Seder was that the Chazan didn't say lead Tilim from the, from the Omid. He would go to the Bimah and stand by the bimah and, and lead the tilim from the bimah because of this sensitivity not to add not to add extra pieces to davening. So, um, and I think this answers perhaps, Rebaria, your question, what about sheish schiris? We don't have a sheish schiris as a collective tefillah, everyone saying it together. It's each one says on their own, and that's in order to be yotzer, the mitzvah of, of the schiris. There is a mitzvah of the schiris. But it's not a it's not a communal tefillah. That's I think what the Rebbe is emphasizing in Nusach Vamirul Rabin. each one says on their own. Of course, there's going to be more questions. What about various other in which some do say and Parshas Samon and Parshas etc. There are different things which some Minhagim have. Okay, that's for another discussion. But that's that's the the background which the Rebbe is answering. That Animamin first of all is uh, is not strictly a form of tefillah and secondly uh, we, have, we have to know where who introduced to say it as part of davening someone they were actually a few years ago i'm not sure the 15 years ago something like that a certain siddha was published in b'nei brak called something i think it's the biala siddha but anyway it was a siddha published in b'nei brak and the editor of the siddha had taken the Yudgimel Midas, Yudgimel um, Ikrim, and modified the wording. Well, that was to correct, to express them better. At the time, both Rav Vosner, the Sheva Talevi, and Rav Moshe both wrote very strong letters about these modifications which were put into the uh, Yudgimel Ikrim. The problem, problem being, you may say that they're not that they're not expressed with total accuracy. On the other hand, the fact that you can tamper with them is going to make it even even worse because then people say they're not so accurate, and therefore they were they said, "Don't don't you know Chepanish? We leave it the way it is." Okay, let's go on to the next point. So someone asks me about investing in companies that are owned by institutions of Avedazar. Now we do have. Um, if, if to, to, let's say, to lend money to a, a church, they want to build a bigger, uh, a new facility, whatever. So certainly, even if they're going to be paying interest, it's something which would, one should avoid. Um, the, the, that, that's as much as I could find. I mean, Rabbi Chasitzchak has a tshuva about this. Um, I saw also a tshuva about, so, someone asks, they had it's someone living in Israel. They had bought a, a, a pair of beds, and it turns out they are from a certain factory which is in Israel, which is run by missionaries. And so they were very upset that they bought, they have these. Are they allowed to use the beds? So the children were saying that they are allowed to use the beds, um, but uh, of course, if they were aware that this buying these beds is, is supporting missionaries, of course they wouldn't buy them. So we understand that, but I could not find if someone listening now or later will be able to tell me. We know that banks, we, if we put our money in in a in a bank for savings, it's very it's likely they're going to be lending it to avoid Zara stuff also. So do we have to worry about that? I don't think so because I, 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 we're not lending it for avoid Zara. We're lending it. To a bank and what they do with it is their is their uh, you know it's, it's their business. But I couldn't find anyone who really addresses this problem uh, clearly. 
Okay, so now let's go on to the next point then. Yeah, okay. I got this question during this week, uh, Monday, someone called me up that in shul, there's someone who's blind and he had taken off his tefillin, left them on the table and unwittingly had moved and the tefillin had fallen to the floor. I presume that the shul has got carpet. So the person, this blind person who, he was totally unaware of what happened. And the question was, should we tell him what happened or should we not tell him? So there is a whole interesting discussion. If a person does an union of um, an Avera Midrabonon and he doesn't even know about it, is he, is he, uh, is he um, doing anything wrong? So there's this, in, in the Rambam, he says, there's a Jewish, let's say he has a restaurant and he sold tray for food. He didn't realize, it was a mistake, it happened a mistake. So the Rambam says, if he sold tray for food, which is tray for hatoira, he has to reimburse the customer. If the tray for food is only osumidrabonon, he doesn't have to reimburse the customer. So the poskim, understand from the Rambam, the Rambam is saying that the Isidra Bonon violated unwittingly is not an Averi at all. That's why you don't have to reimburse the customer. That's how they learn. So there was a story going back about 100 years ago, perhaps a little bit more. So you had in Kovna, you had the Rebitzchonon in his Sefer, in, I think it's Beisitzchok or Enyitzchok. So he had a, a Shaila that there was a couple who were married, happily, uh, happily married, and then someone realizes that there was a serious mistake here, that they, they, that relation, they had some kind of relationship. You have now something called Shniyaz, the Rabbonon. There's some kind of relationship, which is also with the Rabbonon. And they got married, they didn't realize there's anything wrong. They don't know anything wrong now. Do we have to tell them? Or can we let them continue living together in blissful ignorance? And the question was, is an isudra bonon without awareness? Is an isudra bonon unawareness? Is that an is that an avera altogether? So there are those who say it's not an avera altogether. In, the Rebbe in Tovshin Lamed Vov in Achnas Pesach spoke about this topic, and he points to Tanya, I think in Perik Vov or Perik Zayin, where it says that if you're over isudra bonon it's also got to do with the Gimel Klipas So be that as it may. So here, here's the question: the person is unaware, should we tell him about it? What's the issue? Well, we have a minhag of if tefillin, if one drops the tefillin, one would fast, he would fast. We discussed this a while, not too long ago, about someone on Mifsa tefillin, and I mentioned from Rav Osner, who says if a soifer has such an accident, he doesn't have to fast because he's working with it. Where's the source of this business of fasting if tefillin have, were dropped? So the earliest source is in the Sefer Mishpate Shmuel, Venezia, about, published about 400 years ago. And someone asks him about this minigo fasting, and he, he says, the, yes, the last line you can see, It was already an established minig that people would fast if they dropped the tefillin. And I think he says somewhere here, the word of kapora, it's an atonement. So there was something wrong. If fill and fall, it's something wrong. And then there is need for a kapot. So I felt that actually the person should be told, but since he's obviously much more limited in control because he's blind in control of what's happening. So one certainly should give him the, the easier option of, of being poider and giving stock instead of fasting. That, that's true. But on the other hand, not to tell him at all, Perhaps he doesn't need to have a kapora. We have, you know, we have you know, stories about people who were punished for things which they didn't even know that they did. So if, if this in of fasting or giving stock instead is a kapora, I felt it would be correct to tell him and perhaps he'll be more, try, try to be more careful. Another brother together with that to say that it's enough for him to give stock. Okay. Let's go on to the next point. So, I have a friend who is a 
write articles for various uh, magazines. He's one of his specialities is about Zmanin. So he, write, he writes to me an email that he had um, just given a shear in Lakewood. He lives in Baltimore. He'd given a shear in Lakewood about Zmanin. And the question was, which came up in the shear, Shivasabatam was on Sunday. So the fast starts from, from dawn. So we will make Matzah Shabbos, we'll make Habdallah, and then we'll have, we'll have Malka, and then however long later, an hour, two later, two, three, four hours later will be dawn, and that's when the fast will begin. But what happens if it's a place like Iceland or Alaska, which in June, you have the longest days, the shortest nights, and it doesn't become properly dark. So in Iceland at this time, Motsi Shabbos is at midnight, at 12 midnight. Iceland has um, keeps the same time as England, but in, in real terms, they are an hour and a half away from England. And obviously you count the longitude, it's an hour and a half. So by there, midnight is 1.30 a.m. So Shabbos ends 1.30 a.m. When is dawn? 1.30 a.m. Dawn and Matzah Shabbos is the same time. I didn't check out the exact timers for Alaska, etc. But this is, this is his question. So they can't make Havdallah on Matzah Shabbos. Because as soon as Shabbos ends at 1.30 a.m., it's already the fast, which begins at 1.30 a.m. So what should they do about Havdallah? So um, he had given this shear, and then he spoke to the he wrote to the shliach in Iceland, who told him that that I had spent a lot of time working through these shilas. I hadn't actually dealt with this particular shilas. Okay. So what was his question? Should they make havdola on Monday, one thirty a.m.? Uh, all right. Uh, perhaps he wants to stay up to one thirty a.m. to make havdola, or Monday morning to make havdola. or perhaps to make Havdalah on a Shabbos afternoon. Now, what does it mean to make Havdalah on Shabbos afternoon? In Gemara, it says, just like you can make Kiddush before Shabbos on, on Friday evening, similarly, it's a possibility of doing Havdalah without Havdalah candle, without a flame, the brocha of Havdalah from Plaga Mincha. One would be allowed to do Havdola from Plaga Mincha, which in Iceland is about 10 o'clock at night. So this is his question. Should we perhaps recommend that instead of leaving Havdola till, till Monday morning, that Havdola should be done on Shabbos late afternoon? It does not mean you're allowed to do Malocha, Chas V'sholem. It's just doing Havdola a little bit before nightfall. And so just like we have Zohar, there's in the midst of Zohar, and before Shabbos comes in, and as Shabbos comes in, we Zohreyu, we say Kiddush, and when Shabbos goes out, we say you have Dolan. So, but it's not that we don't mean that it actually changes the date. So, this is his question. And his Svara was perhaps one day delaying Havdolah is one thing, but to delay Havdolah two days or, or, is, is perhaps. Better already to do on 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 uh, on, Sh on Shabbos afternoon, late afternoon. So here I showed, I responded to him. I'm showing you with you. This is from you can see from Alter Rebbe Shukhnaruch, Simeresh Tzadik Tes, a person who's fasting three days straight from Matzah Shabbos straight into a three day stretch. So then, what should he do? He should listen to Havdola from someone else. If no one else is available, so then he'll make Havdola from Plaga Mincha. I want to just stop for a second. Why is that? Why do I feel it's important to discuss this? Because we all wissen, but if there's a case of someone who becomes an oinen on Shabbos because a relative, no, on Shabbos, let's say if a relative passed away either just before Shabbos or on Shabbos, so Motzah Shabbos, the person is an oinen. 
and they can't do Havdola. They can't have Maire, they can't do Havdola. As soon as Matzah Shabbos comes in, they can't do Havdola. So in such a case, Isaka recommended that they, he should daven Mayriv and do Havdola um, before the end of Shabbos and without, without a flame. Because otherwise they're going to not be able to make, make, make Havdola on Shabbos because of Aninus. So that's why one, one should know as on the but if there is such a case, that's when this would be, this halacha would be brought in. But coming back to um, under normal circumstances, no. This idea of doing Havdola late on Shabbos afternoon is overall discouraged. This fellow is fasting for three days on the trot, and by the time he'll finish his fasting on, on, on Tuesday night, he won't be able to do uh, Havdola. That's why it's permitted to, for him to do on Shabbos afternoon. And he says, by night he'll make a brocha on the fire and the summer. Also before, okay. But then the bottom two lines. If a person is fasting two days, certainly only one day. So even if it's a two-day delay, what we're seeing here is that that is still better than doing this concession of doing a havdolah on late Shabbos afternoon. It's very confusing, and it's only allowed in very, very extreme situations. Okay, let's go on to our next uh, question. A very common question of mix-ups in dishwashers. Now, the, I mean, Bichlal, this is one of the most common shilas is, which Rabban get is about mixing up of the washing of the dishes, fleshing and milchik. The first thing I ask when, when um, Shaila comes to me, it comes this way, is did they use washing up liquid? And if they use, also I ask how hot was the water? But did they use washing up liquid? If washing up liquid was used, so then the taste of the leftover gravy and the taste of the leftover pizza, they're all tainted with fairy liquid. And fairy liquid, um, is not very tasty. So therefore, it, what we have a concept in Aloha, it gives a, uh, an off-putting off taste. And that doesn't make anything tray. That we know if something is more than 24 hours since it was last used. So we have this Yusoid in Aloha, that if something is more than 24 hours, sorry, so if that something's got a, a, a bad taste, so that trafus doesn't happen because it's got a bad taste. The problem with that's with a well, that's with, with a uh, with a sink. The problem with a dishwasher is that the dishwasher has a rinse cycle before the soap gets in. Then you have to know whether the rinse cycle. The first thing is it hot water or cold water, because if it's stuck at the first thing is hot water, then you could have here a spoon which has got some fleischgeschalt on it. Next, you've got a fork which got some cheese from the pizza, and you've got a, str a stream of boiling water, and it's making a shidduch, an, un 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 you know, an un unworthy shidduch between the two. That's where we have the problem. So I've never, um, I've never risked spending time inside a dishwasher whilst it's uh, running, but this is really what it depends on. What is the first um, cycle of the dishwasher? Is it Hot water or cold water? So here I've got here from a Sfardisha Sefer. He says that in most domestic dishwashers, we have a tradition that the first rinse is going to be with cold water without soap. I don't know where he has his tradition from. How do you have a tradition about what goes on in dishwashers? At any rate, um, if that's the case, yes, then he's right. He takes an overall view that, that, that um, it would be okay. And to the point that he's even, towards the last paragraph, he's even uh, gearing towards saying that you could do this. Um, but then the last line is, you see, Ashkenazim don't rely on this. Um, the idea of, of relying on 
So definitely we wouldn't allow such a thing. But one, one could, it really depends on what was the first cycle. If your first cycle is hot water, then we're in hot water. If uh, if the first cycle is cold stuff, is cold water, then there's certainly one could be makal that the dishes are, are kosher. And what happens later comes with soap. So then that again is kosher. Let's go on to the next thing. Um, okay. We've discussed this thing before about leaving food under a bed. And so mother is asking that her son went off to yeshiva and he kept tea bags in his suitcase under his bed. So now he's asked, she's asking, is he allowed to use the, the, uh, the tea bags? There are also boxes of, um, of vitamins, of vitamins uh, in America. And so the question was, are those things usable? Now, I'll, I'll just, I wanna share with you um, my own policy about the, all of these inyonim, which are, should we say about ruach ruach, et cetera, which we don't fully understand the, the uh, mechanics of them, I take the view that that if it's identical to the, to the precedent, which is discussed in Poskim, so of course we follow that to the letter, but if it is a little bit different, then I would take the a more lenient view. So now we're reading here in the Shulchan Aruch, the Al-Trevis Shulchan Aruch, lo yitein tav or one should not put cooked food or other foods or drinks under a bed. Because it brings an evil spirit to rest upon them. Even if they are covered with metal, a uh, metal container. So, so let's say cans of uh, Coca-Cola, whatever it may be. Also, one wouldn't leave under a bed. So... What I felt though is that tea bags are not food as such. They can be they are can be made into food, but you can't eat tea bags. And on that basis, I felt that one could be more lenient. The vitamins I wasn't so sure about. I just felt again, vitamins are quite expensive. And possibly to take the view that the vitamins are also not a food, they are more a uh, uh, like a medicine. But certainly with the with the tea bags, I feel more confident to say that uh, to take the lenient view that they are not called food as such, and therefore the ruach ro shouldn't be a problem. Also talking about bedievet. Someone's asking in the chat, what would you say regarding medicines in the pocket when one falls asleep on them? Yeah. Again, as I say, when, when I, I would take, wherever I can take a lenient view and say it's not mamish, Dvorin Kavayosan. The late Rav Rapaivish Schneebal talks about, in his Shuvas, the Shagah HaMeir, he talks about the uh, tray under a pram. Remember the old thing that used to be, many years ago, used to be something called prams. And used to have uh, trays underneath for the shopping. And there's a baby sleeping. And he says it's okay because it's, it's not miyuch, it's not like the under the bed where the Ruach Roy is, in, is feel comfortable there. Um, so when they're asked, when it's not mamish, the, uh, as the precedent in, 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 the, in the Gomorrah, one can take a lenient view. Let's move on. And this might actually impact the question which was just asked someone who fell asleep um, and had a medicine in his pocket. Medicines, medicines again, I'm, I'm not so sure whether they call the food altogether. Okay, so the next question is about people falling asleep. There's, uh, we're going now and we're celebrating Simharambam in a few days. So one of the uh, prominent shluchim in America, once he said by Kinnas Tairi, by Kinnas Tashluchim, he says, the Rebbe took care of everything. So if we have a problem of falling asleep, so the Rebbe took care of it. He told us to learn Rambam. So uh, you have your Shia, your three Prokima Rambam, and you're, uh, it's late at night, and it's, it's a Sgula, it's a Sgula to fall asleep. Yeah? So you have a possible Meshinantum Levonecha. Meshinantum Levonecha, so you, you uh, try to learn your Shiorim and you start falling asleep. So here's the question. Uh, he's sitting at his, his table, 
or in his chair, and he's doing his shurim, and he falls asleep. And now it's 1.30 a.m. or 2 o'clock, and does he, and he wants to continue finishing his chitas, rambam, does he have to say b'chasatoyer? So, I think we discussed this not too long ago. Why does it, why, why does it come to b'chasatoyer? Why don't we say b'chasatoyer at shkia? We know that by Yidin, the day switches from, the date switches at, at sunset. So why do I not have to make a new brocha of Bichasatayra in the evening by Shkia? And the answer is, Rabbi Yoyna says, that the, the evening learning is a hashlom, it's complete, that which you missed out, didn't manage to finish during the day, do at night. We have also the postage in Yeshua, Vahagisa by Yoyimom Voloilo. So it's Yoyimom and then Lailo. So Toyra, the evening is still connected to the previous day, the preceding day. So when does the evening end? So the ruling, which is we're seeing over here, if you can see on the right, this is from the Piskit Shuvas, he's saying the following. The call second line, because man shinas kva, ein kan So long as there wasn't a, I don't know how you translate shinas kva in English, don't say permanent asleep. That's not a very good term. That's not what we mean, yeah? We mean he's sleeping properly. There's a difference between napping and going to sleep. Napping, you can sit on a chair and, and doze off a bit. That's called napping. That's uh, the shinas arai. Shinas kva, we'll see a bit more definition soon. Then if you had a shinas kva, a proper sleep, then you'd have to make a new, a new bracha when you wake up, if it's during the night. But and if you have just a dozing off, that itself is not enough to, to uh, warrant that when you wake up, you have to make a bracha satayr. So let's look at the second column. Um, how do we define properly sleeping? So here he goes quite balabatish. He says, you take off your day clothes. Each person according to their, their, their use, how, what they're used to. And he's sleeping in a bed with the cushions and with the blankets. And he sleeps at least a half an hour. But if he's missing out in any of, any of these three conditions, even he slept several, several hours, that's still called a nap. It's not called a proper sleep. Unless you're the kind of person who sleeps like that. Some people sleep in their clothes. Some people sleep on the uh, armchairs possibly. Uh, and they're not planning to sleep any, any, in any more mahudadik away. But if this for you is not the proper sleep, it's just a, a short nap and I mean, or, Certainly, if a person falls asleep at the table at the, at the desk, that's called uh, shinas arai. That would not be a hepsik to cut off the continuum of the original bracha from the, early, the first morning, the previous morning. And therefore, you wouldn't have to make a new bracha. Which I actually, for me, this was a chiddush because till now, I've, uh, I've you know I've been in this situation many times. I'm sitting there with the rambam and I'm just falling asleep, and uh, and then I fall asleep. And then I wake up uh, like a, a half an hour later and it's well after Chatzos. And I think, you know what? I'll go to sleep and take a mortgage and do it tomorrow. Um, now, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to learn Rambam earlier. So I shouldn't have this problem. But uh, this is what we're seeing over here, that in order to warrant a new it's only if it's a Shinas Kva. Now, till now, I've shown you here from the Sefer Piskei Shuvas. His source, his primary source, is a sefer called Keren Nadovid. Um, show it to you. It's Keren Nadovid. It's actually, he was a dayan in Satmir in, uh, before the war. Uh, it's very, very nice, uh, very clear style of presenting stuff. So he, he makes this point, Shinaskva. But now I'm going to show you the Alter Rebbe says this also. So here we've got a piece of Alter Rebbe's Shechon Aruch in Simon Mem Zayin, Din Mavichas HaToyre. Balailo, one who's learning by night, at night, Kozman Shelo Yoshan, so long as he hasn't gone to sleep, Ein Soruch Levorich Ledivrei HaKoyl, you don't have to make a new Birchas HaToyre, Shehalailo Hoylech Acha HaYoyim, because the night belongs to the preceding day. Very clear. 
‫אוכשיושן שנס קבע. ‫והשכים קודם על עשה שחר, ‫ואיף יוסלם, ‫נהיה יד לבית שנס קבע. ‫איף יוסלפט פרופסליפ, ‫אה, יוסלפט פרופסליפ, ‫ואין, ‫כשהוא יוקס אופ, ‫הוא יוסלפט לברכס התורה. And so if people would get up for Tikkun Chatzois, they would have to say Birch HaTorah if, uh, if they had a proper sleep. The only thing which is missing in this detail, in the Alter Rebbe, doesn't mention how long. In the Pisket Shubas, he mentioned about half an hour. That detail is not, is not spelt out over here. But other than that, everything else he says is exactly the same thing. The Alter Rebbe is saying that a hefzik of Birch HaTorah is only if it was Shnaskva. Let's go on to our last point. And that's about Erev Tavshin. So, when Yom Tov occurs on a Friday, so then we want to have permission to be allowed to cook on Friday for Shabbos. We want to be able to put up a challenge on the Friday of Yom Tov, for Shabbos. Now we know that you don't have to cook on Yom Tov for after Yom Tov, only for Yom Tov itself. So here there's a special takona called Eiduv Tafshilin, which allows you to cook on Friday of Yom Tov for Shabbos. What's the reason for this? So there's two reasons in the Gemara, covered Shabbos and covered Yom Tov. Covered Yom Tov is the following, that there seems to be a little bit of an aberration, a little bit of a compromise on the Kedushas Yom Tov. Yom Tov, you say, no, you, you can't do Yom Tov for, for after Yom Tov. And here you are allowing this. So you say, no, you're only allowed to do on Yom Tov if you did the Haskhala, if you started before Yom Tov, so you can continue. But if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be allowed to do some stuff on Yom Tov. So that kind of to preserve covered Yom Tov. Then there's the other reasons, covered Shabbos. Ah, the family come together, they're celebrating Yom Tov, and they have a lot of food. But then it could be that all the food, all the goodies, are finished off on Yom Tov. It comes Shabbos, there's only a can of tuna kind of thing. There's hardly anything left. So in order that you should have in mind, Shabbos is also coming. So that whilst you're cooking on, on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever it may be, um, Yom Tov, you should put aside some food for Shabbos, symbolically. In this way, it will remind you to put aside uh, enough food that you should have food for Shabbos also. Now, the question which I'm addressing today is, I have someone who's a, fre a friend who's living, an assisted living, and calls up, calls up Erev Yom Tov. When you make your Erev Tafshil, and can you have me in mind? Now, we all know the story of the person in Gemara Beya, a person who forgot to make an Erev Tashilin, and he comes to, I've forgotten who the Amoira was, and he said, I forgot to make Erev Tashilin. So he said, you can, the Amoira said, the Rosh Hashiva said, you can rely on me. Came next year, next Yom Tov, whatever, next time it happened, and he came with the same story. He says, everyone else can rely on my Erev, but not you. If you are not doing an Erev yourself, you can't rely on my Erev. So you can, uh, I once told this, uh, this halacha to someone that you, that you can only get to uh, rely on the Rav only once or twice, but after that you, you won't be able to. So he said, that's a, good, that's a good reason to change rabbis from time to time. Because like this, you have a, if you forget yeah, your Erev, you can still get, uh, you know, get away with it. But meanwhile, so the idea of having the Erev done by the Rav for the whole city is certainly seen as a bedieved and only, thank you, thank you, it's Shmuel, thank you. Um, it's, it's only bedieved. So here's the question Can you ask someone? So she's asking me, Ed of Yomtiv, I'm asking, Can you have me in mind when you make your Erev Tapshilan? And I, I, I say, Yes, but I, the person's assisted living is not really doing much malocha. The only thing is that she is lighting candles. So for that, possibly, does need to have air of So I was, I was of two minds about this. So now let's take a look in, this is the dinim of air of Tavshilin, this is Simon Tovkov Chav Zayin, 
And we're now looking at Nishtabrura, yeah? So that's where it has the Chofhei, Nikro Poishaya, a person who doesn't bother and just relies on the rabbi is Poishaya. The original takon is make your own Eiru. And that is, It's a reminder and awareness. If you're not allowed to cook on Friday for Shabbos, because you came, and then here's the, here's the Chiddush um, from Mr. Mihu lavdavkehu be'atzmoy. That you can also do an aid of via a shliach. The objection is not to rely on the robe. That you didn't discuss anything. You're relying on the rabbi, he does it when you're not doing anything. That's the objection. That's called a pesheya. But if you call up someone, you go over to someone and ask him to include me in the Ediv, in his Ediv Tafshilin, Mishnah Bruce seems to be saying it's okay. Now take a look in the bottom, underneath this, the Lamed Zion refers us to Rosh Vetu, no, 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 um, the line before that, the first, first line. Who hadin ima godl yema loikodim, v'chein kosev in har sholoim, v'chein mashma b'shivole haleket simoresh mevrov. So he's got his source in two places, say from the Harsholim and earlier on in Shibole Aleket. So let's first go to Shibole Aleket, which is one of the uh, late tradition, and then we'll look at the Naharsholim. Um, that you are allowed to rely on someone else to make an aid for you if you ask them to. It's fairly clear, it's not totally clear. Why? What's not so totally clear? Because possibly it means that there's someone else is taking my food. I give them my food, I give them my piece of fish and my matzah, and do make you make this the, the aid for me. Does it mean that he's making the aid with his own food and having me in mind? That's perhaps why the Mishtabura says it's mashma. In the Harsholom, which is here on the side over here, um, and it comes here, and he says, that the, sorry, that the objection not to rely on the Ogedoilo ear is only if you're just relying because he does it for everyone. I will call the Muidaluhu Koidim Shi'arif. If the Rosh Hashive, the, the Rav will say before he makes an Eidiv, and he says, Ani I'm making an Eidiv for you explicitly, I'm having you explicitly in mind. It's as if they did himself. So the Nahar Sholem is pretty clear that you could have uh, a, 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 someone to do the Eidiv for you. But it, this is very difficult to understand. If the point of the Eidiv is, one of them is Kovet Shabbos, and Kovet Shabbos is to remind you on Erev, on Erev Yomt to have enough food for Shabbos. What does it help that the Rav is saying that he's making an Eidiv for you? You could say that the conversation with the Rav, that achieves the, the, the same effect. So certainly the Mr. Brewer takes the view that you could have a, someone else to do an Eidiv, and it's the Shriach is using his own his own fish and his own bread for the Eidu. That's the Mishnah Brewer's view. Now, as I many, many times I quote the Sefer Piskei Tshuvas, and um, so in the Piskei Tshuvas, he actually takes a stricter view, not like the Mishnah Brewer, and he bases himself on the Alter Rebbe. Now, I have the newer edition. The earlier edition, they didn't mention anything about it. When the newest edition from Tov Shinai and Tess, he raises this, and it's not so posh. Now, let's take a look at the Alter Rebbe, that's the top of the page. If you rely on the Rav or someone else, you're not Yoytzer. There's a duty each one to make their own Eiruv. Oi, yetzave la cherim, 
שיערבו בסויך בסוי מישלוי. Or you can instruct someone to come to your house. It's a son, not in his house, in my house. He'll come to my house, he'll take my fish and my challah, and he'll say that he'll make the he'll, he'll do the aid for me. So it could be, it could be sometimes there are people who are not so learned. So they don't know how to do the aid of so the rob comes to their house or sends a shaliach to the house and says a bocher, do their aid with them. There were people you can see in Malachtim. They would some some towns they had their rabbonim would send shluchim to the houses of people who are less knowledgeable to do their aid for them. In the Alter Rebbe's, you can see there's a little base there. That's for the Kuntus Achren. And Mr. Brewer actually mentions his Kuntus Achren. And that is a whole discussion. If I'm doing your mitzvah, can I make a bracha? I'm making your aid. I'm putting up your mezuzah. Who make, can I make a bracha on your mezuzah? Or if I'm putting up your mezuzah, can you make a bracha while I'm putting up the mezuzah? And the Alter Rebbe takes the view that you can, that I can, I'm, I'm doing your mitzvah, I can make a bracha. If I'm reading Megillah for you, I can make a bracha, etc. Well, you know, if you can't do the bracha. So the Alter Rebbe seems to be very clear that it has to actually, that the, this, um, this story, which she's asking me to make, to include me in her Eir of Tavshilin, according to the Alter Rebbe, seems to be unacceptable. According to Mr. Brewer, it seems to be acceptable. So, all right, so uh, each one to their own. And Nara Nara Pashte, so, okay. Let me just finish off with, I want to put the question to the Oilum. And I'm tremendously appreciative for everyone who's participating. I realize that some people are finding it, the timing obviously is not so convenient. I want to know if a 15 minute delay, or 15 minute or more, would that make it um, more manageable for people? I'm thinking further up, up north, the early time, earliest time you can have my in your shoals. So um, let me know. And I, I'm, I'm quite okay to uh, delay. I see Remendel is suggesting uh, it's 15 minutes. Would that make the difference? That would make a big difference. Okay. So if, if, if anyone has, says the opposite, let me know either way. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll go Basar Haroiv, uh, who tell me what they're there in, because I'm not your dear Machshavas. Not qualified as yet. Okay, so uh, if if uh, I don't have many objections, and I have many yay, yays for that, um, well, possibly next week I'll put it on the on the notice. I'll I'll put on what the time will be. All right. Okay, then I wish you all a good Shabbos and zayat uh, ali gezunt and. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos.